Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. What's going on, everybody? RJ Ochoa here from SB Nation's blogandtheboys.com and, of course, the Blog of the Boys podcast network. Today is Saturday, November 13th, 2021, and tomorrow the Dallas Cowboys look to get back to their winning ways as they host the Atlanta Falcons. We are looking to continue our winning ways here at the Blog of the Boys podcast network, and I wanted to come on here myself and let you know just about a couple of changes that are happening here on the network starting today. In fact, starting today, you have a brand new show dropping every single Saturday. Two-Minute Warning featuring Dave Sturgeo, Tony Catalina, Aiden Davis. The show is called Two-Minute Warning because, well, you know, it's a cool name, but because it's the final show of the week before the show. Two-Minute Warning will be the last thing that you hear after Cowboys Oil with Maurice Rodriguez, of course, as the guys get you ready for the upcoming Cowboys game. I know we got some weird situations coming up with Thanksgiving and Thursday Night Football, but Two-Minute Warning will be here for your weekend perusal. Now, the Jersey Boys, they're not leaving. They're just getting moved. The Jersey Boys now now land on Mondays. You'll hear from Dave Sturchio and Brett Ernst, Keith Ernst, as the guys recap the Cowboys game the day before, tell you what went right, what went wrong, how they're feeling, how it's terrifying, whatever the case may be. It's never going to be terrifying. Cowboys going to win every single game. We know that uh, from here on out. Uh, but Jersey Boys will be here on Monday. No more Cowboys cast. Bobby's great. Still love Bobby. Nothing there, just some things we had to adjust, things we had to work on. So uh, the last episode of Cowboys Cast was this past Monday. So the main changes, main takeaways for you are now every single Saturday you get two-minute warning, dropping about lunchtime. And then on Mondays, the day after the game, you get the Jersey Boys recapping everything that happened the day before. But without further ado, I don't want to hold you back any longer. Here is the first episode of Two Minute Warning with Dave Sturgeo, Tony Catalina, Aiden Davis, here on the Blog of the Boys Podcast Network. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the very first, the pilot of the two-minute warning podcast here on the Blogging the Boys podcast network, powered by SB Nation. Your hosts for the first time together as a team. It is myself, Dave Sturchio, alongside Aiden Davis, Blogging the Boys writer, Aiden Davis, that is, and of course, fellow writer, fellow compadre, and of course, fellow uh, Paisan, my guy from from uh, hey. up north, up in, uh, what was it, Boston, right, in that area? Yes. There, that- yeah, yeah. Tony exactly. Catalina of Blogging the Boys. Fellas, how are we doing, man? Welcome to the show, man. This is our thing. This is our little vehicle here on the Blogging the Boys podcast network. Aiden, first and foremost, have you ever done a podcast before? I've done two roundtables. That is the extent of my experience in audio. All right. All right. Well, that, that we'll, we'll learn you something. We, we, we do consider you, and I was actually talking to a couple of my friends about this the other day. Uh, when we first started kicking around this idea, I was like, guys, I was like, I'm not going to lie. I'm pumped. We got a stats kid who knows like way too much shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he knows <laughs> way too much stuff for us. And, uh, but what's going to be great because it'll cover it all. And of course, Tony, 
my guy, it's, it, you know, it's funny because when I do my other podcasts, I, I, I run the Chop Sports Network, obviously, and everybody knows that who knows me on this network. Um, when I was doing my All About the Star podcast, I had you on as a guest. And I started thinking to myself, like, you know what? Me and him, were, you know, between the beards and, and the personalities, oh, yeah. and I, I think that we make a good team. I was actually going to ask you to co-host that one. So I'm kind of glad the stars kind of aligned, and we're here on the Two Minute Warning podcast. And, of course, what this podcast is going to be is your Saturday show before a game most of the time. Clearly, we're getting into the holiday weeks um, after this week and then after next week, after the Kansas City game. We got Thanksgiving coming up. We got another Thursday night football coming up, so we'll probably get a couple reaction episodes here and there. But for the most part, we want to give the final thought here on the Blog and the Boys Podcast Network. So obviously, there's a lot to get into. But first, we got to get to know who's who, right? I mean, so Aiden, you're obviously a student at Texas, from what I've understood, and now you're writing for Blogging the Boys. I got to know where, I mean, is it just because you're in Texas, you're a Cowboys fan, or where did this all start? You're a youngin. Compared to the two of us, you're the young buck here. I need to know where this all started. <laughs> yeah. So interestingly enough, my dad was a huge Rams fan and he always, he hated the Cowboys to put it simply. <laughs> he wanted me, yeah. He wanted me to be wearing the classic throwback jerseys. He was, I grew up hearing about young blood, about Isaac Bruce, about all them, but we lived in the Dallas area and, Naturally, we were football fans. And so every year we'd go to one game at the old Texas Stadium. Mm -hmm. And he took me that first year to the game at Texas Stadium. And I fell in love with the Cowboys. That was pretty much it to my dad's probably worst nightmare (laughs) is I quickly I bought every $20 old Walmart Cowboys jersey I could find. I had Marion Barber. I had. Tony Romo. My favorite player to this day was always Des Bryant. That kind of dates me in terms of how old I am. But I was just going to say, favorite player, Des Bryant. My God, how old am I? <laughs> yeah. So, so ever since then, just, you've been riding with yeah. the boys. Exactly. And I am happy to announce that I've persuaded my dad to join the Cowboys bandwagon. He has officially put the Rams in second place and he's rooting for the Cowboys now. Wow. Oh, okay. Look at that. That's not very, that's not a common thing. Usually the dads, and that's exactly why I am a Cowboys fan, as people know from the Jersey Boys podcast right here on this same network, that I I didn't really have a choice in the matter. My dad was like, hey, listen, this is your team. This is your squad, ride or die. Here we go. Like there's deep lying roots with this team with me. My mother's water broke literally during a Monday night football game with the Cowboys and the Redskins. At the time, they were the Redskins. Now they're the Washington football team. But, um, yeah, mom's water broke. Dad told her to hold on till halftime, and that was it. Like it was just in the blood the entire time. So Tony, <laughs> Tony, I mean, you're a little, you're younger than me, I believe, right? Yeah, I'm. Yeah, so I'm you're 30. a little younger I'm, than me. Well, Where does I, I know you told me on a another podcast, but tell the tell the new audience, the new listeners of the Blogging the Boys Podcast Network, just how all this came about. I mean, for me, I grew up. You know, I was born in '91. I'm 30 years old. So the early '90s, my impressionable age is that like I. You know, they were the they were the team. I mean, they're still the team, right? So it, you know, they're always on television. It was just easy for me. I was just uh, enamored by the star, and I kind of got to give all the credit to my to my aunt, um, 
when I was young enough, and it looked like a dress on me. My the first jersey my aunt ever gave me was a Troy Aikman Thanksgiving Day jersey, and it didn't take me until I was probably 19 years old for that thing to fit me. But I was trying to wear that thing every Sunday. I grew up, and just by destiny alone, I when I played Pop Warner football, I played for the Worcester Cowboys. I put the star on my head when I was a young kid, and I was just totally enamored by the star. I mean, I was, and even to the point where my dad was like, "You're gonna grow up one day, right? You're gonna be a Patriots fan. You're gonna grow." I was like, "I'm not growing up." At all. I'm going to be a Cowboys fan for the rest of my life. And here we are. Do you regret that decision considering the fact that you were, you were, you could have become a Patriots fan like as Tom Brady was starting to roll? Like you could have been the most successful kid you've ever, anybody's ever met. You know, it's crazy because I, I, the way, and you know, all you guys know, this stuff builds character, man. I want to, I want to ride out because I know when they win the Super Bowl, when that happens, I'm going to be crying like a baby. But I was, (laughs) I actually had a conversation with my cousin. He's 21 years old. All he knows is Patriots success his whole life. When Tom Brady went to Tampa Bay, he just he didn't know what it felt like to be like a loser. I'm like, man, welcome <laughs> to the rest of the world, you know? <laughs> welcome to the rest of us. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, we're all diehard Cowboy fans here, and obviously now we're all knee-deep in Cowboys media with blogging the boys uh, between podcasting and doing our writing and coverage of America's team. Now, before I get into everything, I mean, what, like I said, we're going to try to be your preview podcast your last thought your final thought because the entire network does a great job of uh bringing everybody together kind of putting a bow on the you know the jersey boys podcast as you probably have heard uh in rj ochoa's open today he'll be opening this show you probably heard uh his luxurious voice he the jersey boys is moving to monday so that will be your reaction podcast and then obviously the rest of the network is, is doing great things and they always paint a great picture of the dallas cowboys going forward we're going to be that final thought but as we're recording this, it is Thursday night. Uh, you know, we're not missing anything by, you know, not watching the Ravens and the Dolphins right now. We're not missing much. We're just that game might be a runaway. Who knows? As you listen to this, I might be eating my words. Who knows? But I will say the big topic of today, and it's funny that Aiden brought up the Rams, is the fact that there is a new Los Angeles Ram, and his name is Odell Beckham Jr. Now, there was rumors that you know, the Packers were making a play. And then, you know, there was rumors that, you know, Bill Belichick speaking to the Patriots, they, he wanted something to do with them. And then obviously there was the chiefs and the saints and there was teams that were rumored, but next thing you know, you get the Schefter tweet, you get the, you know, you get the Rappaport tweet, you get all these guys. Hey, by the way, he's going to LA. Your first knee jerk reaction, Aiden to ODBJ as the newest member of the Los Angeles Rams. I think we should be happy that Odell Beckham signed with the Rams. For the simple point that he didn't join the Packers. If he had joined the Packers, he'd be the number two option. He'd be right side Devontae, right beside Devontae Adams. And at that point, Aaron Rodgers has legitimate wide receiver two. And that's a little bit scary. When he joins the Rams, I mean, in my opinion, I see it him fitting in as the number three receiver. I think he's better. He's worse than Robert Woods. He's obviously not as good as Cooper cup. So he'll fit in as that wide receiver three role. And even Van Jefferson, I think has had a great year so far. And so I don't really see him as being, he's not going to come into this team. And over the back half of the season, he's not going to rack up 800 receiving yards on 75 catches for eight touchdowns. That's not Odell Beckham anymore. Yeah. Odell Beckham is a, borderline wide receiver one maybe a pretty good wide receiver two and on a rams team with a lot of receiving depth i'm not too concerned now with that being said 
the Rams are the scariest team in the NFC outside of, I mean, we have our opinions that the Dallas Cowboys are great, but of the one team I don't want to face in the playoffs, it's the Rams. But I don't think Odell Beckham really changed my opinion on how scary they are. I, I think you're giving uh, Odell a, a lot of credit. I think Van Jefferson might be better than Odell Beckham, and I'm, I swear to that. Like, I'll stand by that. That's... I thought it was going to be a controversial opinion if I said that, but I completely – if Deshaun Jackson were on this team, I think there could be an argument to be made that the deep threat of Deshaun Jackson could be more valuable than OBJ just running slant patterns across right. all over the field. So, Like, just go – that just goes to show you that, like – you know, Deshaun Jackson wanted out of L.A. He wanted to leave the Rams, who are literally number one seed at this point, you know what I mean, or number two seed, top three seeds in the NFC. And he wants to leave because he can't find himself a role that is prominent for him. So now exit Deshaun Jackson, insert Odell Beckham. I think it's literally like, you know, the Spider-Man meme when they're like they're pointing at each other. Like that's that's <laughs> where I see this one right now. OBJ a little bit on the on, you know, the younger side. But still, man, Tony, your thoughts, bro. OBJ is now a Ram. Initially, I was just thinking about the fact that um, I kind of had a pessimistic thought about it. I'm like, man, how, how long before like this might implode on them? Right. I mean, you bring you definitely bring a personality into that locker room. Right. And they got something going on. I think Matthew Stafford is one of those guys that's in the MVP conversation um, and their offenses. It's been clicking. I mean, they have a, a good football team. I think we're all worried about and I think everybody through all of our networks that kind of said, you know, we don't really want to see the Rams in the first round. We got to avoid this four seed because if, if you know, if if it's Arizona winning the division, they can be a wild card team. And that's a dangerous wild card team. So, you know, does it mess with the chemistry? he's not obj of of old we know that and at the end of the day it's kind of like was it necessary and i think obj made a move based on like comfort and convenience you want to be in la you want to play in a warm weather climate and a stadium could have went to green bay got more opportunity played with aaron Rodgers, and i'm like i don't know if he made the best decision for himself but i'm happy he picked the, the pick the destination he did yeah, I mean, it's been discussed on this network plenty of times, specifically on the the roundtables, that the Cowboys are going to try to avoid that four seed at all costs because you don't want the red hot, whoever the hell, like, loses that division is going to be ready right. to rock. You know what I mean? So you don't want anything to do with that. But, again, the Rams are the Rams, and I think that <laughs> I said this on Twitter. I was like, you know, not for nothing, but it looks like the Rams now have a built-in excuse if they don't succeed this year. Like, they 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 brought on a head case, and all of a sudden, the Rams implode, and boom, he's done. It's over. The season's <laughs> done. All, I don't know about you guys, but I feel like all the stars are aligning for the Dallas Cowboys to make this this miraculous run, considering, like, Green Bay's going through the COVID thing, and now L.A.'s adding a diva, and then, like, Arizona, <laughs> Kyler Murray's a little hobbled. You know what I mean? So it's like all we have to really worry about is a guy that we almost beat in week one, and that being Tom Brady. So – you know, push comes I, to shove. I like all these moves that are being made or things that are happening for our Dallas Cowboys. Am I wrong when I, I hate, say that? I hate to say it out loud, but I agree with you. You know what I mean? Like it just we're we're conditioned as Cowboys fans to say, when's the other shoe gonna drop? But in this case, it's like I mean, we're we're kind of you know, we're coming off a bad loss, but at the same time, it's like all these things are kind of stacking in our favor a little bit here, and I'm feeling pretty good about it. Yeah, I was gonna uh, go ahead, Aiden. Sorry. I was gonna say I would have as much as I don't think he's really going to impact the Rams, but I would have loved to see what would have happened if he went to the Packers with the turmoil that's already happening right now with Aaron Rodgers. You then just drop the bomb of Odell Beckham. I would have loved to see how that played out. 
Yeah, you love to see it. You love to see these teams just start to implode around, eh, you know, right around Thanksgiving sounds about right for the Cowboys <laughs> to kind of take advantage of all this <laughs> madness. But look, we can't get too ahead of ourselves. I don't, I would, going into this, I think I even wrote this in the, in the group text. I was like, yeah, we'll put a bow on Denver. I, I think I'm done talking about Denver. Like that game is beyond us. It's behind us. We either bury the tape, burn the tape, whatever you want to do. There are things to take away from that game, but Again, now that there's being, you know, other moves being made in the NFC and teams are getting better, even, you know, regardless of how you feel about Beckham, the, the Rams got a little better. You know, teams are getting better. Aaron Rodgers will get back on the field. They're going to get immediately better. So teams are getting better. So now all these games that once upon a time, all Cowboys fans were like, well, I can't find any losses in this schedule all of a sudden. You know, I can't find any. Now you lose one bad game and people are starting to think like, oh, my God, are we about to lose to the Falcons? You know what I mean? Like there, there's a thought. <laughs> It's in your head. I know it is. Like, all Cowboys fans have this skepticism now. And now you get the news today, or as we record this on Thursday, that Randy Gregory is headed to the IR. I don't know if these guys, uh, when they're in the weight room, whether it be Dak Prescott, Michael Gallup, or Randy Gregory, do they do calves? Like, do they do legs? You know what I mean? Like, are what is with the calf muscle that is just a, a, a complete bugaboo for, the, for this Dallas Cowboys team? So, Aiden, I'll go to you first. The initial reaction of, of – a, losing Randy Gregory for at least three weeks, and B, do you think that we have the depth to step up? I mean, we're still down Lawrence, so it's like this is all coming at a really hard time. The next three quarterbacks are Matt Ryan, Patrick Mahomes, and Derek Carr, all guys that can sit back and deliver. So what are your thoughts? Randy Gregory out. What are you thinking? Yeah, this is a lot scarier than it would be if we had Demarcus Lawrence because when Demarcus Lawrence went down, I was – Pretty scared, but at least then in the back of my head, I knew, well, Randy Gregory can pick it up. Maybe Michael Parsons gets more snaps at the end. We'll be fine. Now you're down your two best edge rushers. And I'm not ready to hit the panic button yet because I am really excited to see what this new version, this now eight games played version of Michael Parsons will look like at the end. Because ever since week three, we've kind of shifted him out of that role mm -hmm. for Weeks two to three, he played 36 snaps at DN, two snaps at linebacker. Since week three, he's averaging 14 snaps at linebacker, 40 or 14 snaps at DN, 47 at linebacker. So you're seeing the shift where we've moved him back to the traditional role at linebacker. I know people have their opinions on whether he should be that pure edge rusher, but I'm excited to see Parsons getting that full opportunity of just listen, you're the best guy we have on the edge. Just go get the quarterback because we don't have that depth to send anybody else out there. Now, I am, with that being said, I'm excited to see more role, more of a role for Golston, Basham, see them get worked in more, but not. I'm not happy about this. No, we'll of course see how not. it plays out. Yeah. Tony, what do you thought? What are you thinking, man? How, your knee-jerk reaction, you see, you, we did start seeing like, Gregory pop up on the injury report and people are like, ah, it's a calf. He'll be limited, you know, all of a sudden. And then bang, within a, like a blink of an eye, this guy's on the IR now. What are your thoughts? Like, uh, obviously piggybacking off of Aiden, uh, of what we could possibly do as a defensive front uh, without Randy Gregory and Demarcus Lawrence at this point? I mean, it's, it's it really is a tough blow. And you look at in the schedule, kind of does us no favors, right? What do we have? Three games in 12 days. So it's, you know, that doesn't help. And then you look at the quarterbacks and you're like, oh my God, like, these are these are guys that you're gonna to want to have to get after. You know, these are the guys that you want to kind of affect them in the pocket, 
Mahomes is a magician, not so much this year with everything going on, but the, the kid can play. Um, and you just got to look in the opportunity, you know, circumstances breed opportunity. So if Michael Parsons got to get his hand in the dirt, you got to play on the edge a little bit, then so be it. And, you know, it, it, like Aiden kind of touched on a little bit, he's been the linebacker that he's come into his own in this position. I mean, what did he win? Defensive player of the week. And he's just being that person and that player that we thought he could be in the first round. And, and now you kind of bring him down a little closer to the line. He got to rush the passer, but I'm interested to see what Chauncey Golson can do. Like you said, and that's kind of the first person that popped up in my head because when he first got off, you know, pup and he was first time he got to go out there and kind of play, he kind of flashed a little bit for us. I mean, he was, he was around the ball. He, he was creating turnovers and, and uh, you know, he's just making the most of his opportunity. And now it's more so like, instead of hoping and, and wishing we need it now, it's now it's a need. So it's, you know, it, you don't feel good about the Randy Gregory situation. Um, I guess my optimistic view on the whole thing is if it's three weeks, even if it's four, let's get him back for the end of the month. Demarcus Lawrence will be back. We got our two premier pass rushing DNs back for the when we truly need him. But in the meantime, we got to hold the fort down while he's not out there. Now I'm going to throw one name at you guys, and obviously we've talked about Golston. We talked Basham's got to step up, and obviously there's also room for Dorrance Armstrong to do some things. Now we did bring somebody back onto the practice squad after releasing him. Is there a chance that we bring back again? You might be listening to this, and it might have already happened, or maybe it's not even not even a thought that crosses the, the coaching staff's mind. Any shot that Bradley and I gets another chance at this? I think. I wouldn't be surprised if we brought him back for a game or two and we threw him out there for a couple snaps. But it's like you said, I mean, that's you, between Armstrong, Golston, and Basham. That's three edge rushers that I'd put ahead of Anai. And mm-hmm. no disrespect to Anai. I wish it would have panned out better, but I just don't see him getting It's I, He's not going to come in and take the lion's share that defensive end snaps and i don't know i don't think there's really a need to bring him back onto the team after i'm just looking for i'm just looking for blows at this point you know what i mean i'm looking for guys that can if golston and and these guys aren't like used to having a full load the entire game i'm looking for a guy that can come in there and splash down um but you know it remains to be seen but off the gregory stuff and obviously we're upset and disappointed that gregory's gonna you know miss a couple games you look at this offense, and we're talking about the Dallas Cowboys offense. Now, with Michael Gallup being back with the practicing, at least, you would think that he's suiting up. And again, we record this on Thursday. We, we don't know the exact thing, but or you know the exact status of, uh, of a guy like Michael Gallup. But when you look at this offense, do you guys firmly believe – now, the Falcons defense has given up a lot of points. They've given up a lot of yards on the ground and a lot of yards through the air. So their defense has been suspect to say the least. I mean, look, we held Minnesota to basically nothing, you know, like they, they scored on that opening drive. And then after that, the rest was kind of history with field goals and three and outs and whatnot. And all of a sudden Minnesota puts up all these points on, on the Falcons the following week. So I ask you guys, do you think this is a a good recipe for a get right game for this offense to just kind of, everybody's going to click. I mean, everybody's probably angry. There's chips on the shoulders. You know, there's a lot of the case of the drops last week where it's just, it just all looked like screw it. It was the red stripe on the helmet. I'm telling you right now, it was the God darn red (laughs) stripe on the helmet that did it in for us. But Tony, I'll start with you. Is this the get right game? Is is everybody going to start clicking again? Or is this something like we should start to, 
kind of, uh, or, or, you know, or do we get worried here or no? I, I tell you what, it has to be right. I mean, cause that now, instead of being an anomaly, it's a trend and, you, and, and it's hard to buck trends. And, but I'm, I'm, I'm certain and I'm fairly confident this offense is more indicative of what they've showed us throughout the year rather than what they've shown us last week. And kind of how Mike McCarthy said, Dak Prescott said, if this is how you want to, you know, this is how you want to play us and you think this is what the blueprint is, fine, cool. Because like we're, we're okay with it and we understand just from watching the film and anybody with two eyes can tell you that most of their, uh, their wounds were self-inflicted. Um, there was drops. The you know, a deck was a, was a tick off, and a tick off in those situations is turnover on down, fourth down twice in the first half. You know, those are situations where I, you know, to make a long answer short, I'm not too worried about this offense. I think this game they're gonna go out there, and I don't know if it'll be Team Forty Burger this week, but I, I, you know, they're gonna put up some points, and they're gonna have to with this defense, and I think they're gonna have that sense of urgency. Dak has that chip on his shoulder. He he's addicted to winning. He mentioned today to the media, and I'm fairly confident they're gonna do their thing this week. Aiden, uh, he brought up one thing that I wanted to t- uh, touch on, and that was the fourth down aggression, the fourth down going for it, going for it, going for it. Now with Mr. Greg Zerline missing this game because of COVID. And thank all the gods above that we did not resign Brett Maher <laughs> to this team. We're going with somebody that I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name. I think it's, uh, you know what? I'm not, again, I'm not going to call him Lira. I'm, 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 I'm with it. I'm with it. Big L. Big L's coming <laughs> yeah. in, but this is a good Big L, not a bad Big L. So good Big L is coming in. Do you find that because of the new kicker, uh, that the aggression will stick with this trend? Like, the, the fourth and shorts will, will you know, from inside, I want to say from, like, you know, beyond midfield, and we didn't cross the 35 yet. Do you think the aggression will still be there this week? Yeah, I think you could even push that to be the 30-yard line oh, wow. because okay. 35 yards, that's a 52-yard field goal. I don't know if you really want to trust a guy you just signed True. to kick that. But, yeah, I think when we're on the fringe of field goal range, and McCarthy's done this all year, McCarthy or Kellen Moore, They've every time they get close to scoring range, even in their own territory, if it's fourth and short, they've let opponents know we're just going to let our talent win. We're going to keep the offense on the field. Granted, didn't work against the Broncos, but I don't think McCarthy's going to give it up because of one bad game. I think you're going to, if anything, this week, exactly like you said, more aggression when you're on the edge of field goal range. Expect the off, even if it's like fourth and five, fourth and six. I think McCarthy's mad. I think Kellen Moore's mad. And I think Dak Prescott's mad. And they are going to want to hang points up. And so it's going to be like a Harbaugh, Lamar Jackson scenario where he's the coach will ask, Dak, do you want to go for it? And Dak's like, absolutely, I want to go for it. Let's go hang up another touchdown. That's the way that I see this one going. Yeah, you brought up an actual really good stat. I was kind of worried about it because I asked you how how the sample size was. But Mike McCarthy seems to be that dude when it comes to coming off a loss or a double-digit loss, for that example. So we brought it up on the roundtable. So you you are you standing behind your stats on this one? Uh, I mean, you are the analytics guru right now. Like, are you standing behind the fact that I think you said, I think it was 60% of the time he's getting a dub after a win or after a loss, right? Yeah, so it's 60%. He has a 61% winning percentage after he loses by double-digit points, which is around his career average. His point differential across every game is plus five, and his point differential when he loses by double digits is four and a half. 
So what you're seeing with McCarthy is he just writes the ship. It's not, I wouldn't say he comes out with an extra fire to him, but he finds a way to get things right again. And I think any Cowboys fan would take getting right again against the Falcons. So yeah, that's what we've yeah seen from Mike McCarthy. Tony, I have to ask you about this one player. Uh, well, two players in, in particular when it comes to the Atlanta Falcons, okay? Our defense obviously just took a hit. You know, Randy Gregory will not be rushing the quarterback. So Matt Ryan will have more than likely a little bit more time than he would have had had Gregory been in this game. I'm not saying he's going to have all day because I, I, I firmly believe in our depth. I do. Um, but now you're looking at a guy that's coming into his own finally, and, and it's somebody that you know, a lot of Cowboys Nation said, let's trade up and go grab him so we can put up 75 points a game. And that's Kyle Pitts, the tight end. That's one guy. But then I also flip it to the rushing side of things. You know, they do have Mike Davis. He's serviceable. He's okay. I don't buy into Mike Davis being an all all around good running back. I think he's just, you know, he had a good year last year and he cashed in on that um, in, in relief of, of Christian McCaffrey. But when you look at a guy like Corderell Patterson, how much does this guy scare the crap out of you? Because, I mean, we had we had somebody uh, last week, or two somebodies, really. Javante Williams was carrying eight Cowboys on his back, <laughs> and then you had Melvin Gordon do whatever the heck he felt like doing, too. Does Corderell Patterson present that same threat, or do you think it's more like our linebackers have to step up and cover this guy to the backfield? Do we spy him? Like, How do you cover both of these guys at the same time? It's it's almost like you, because uh, and I know you didn't, but just for the for the for the listeners, it's almost like you read my article before I wrote, like before it released, because I talked about how Kyle Pitts and Cordell Patterson is going to be like the key to victory, right? Cordell Patterson is the type of player where he's so unique. You know, he, he's got that Ty Montgomery type situation where, you know, wide receiver who can play running back, who's in the slot. And now it's like you're in a bind of who's going to cover him because you're not going to you're not putting Leighton Vander Esch on him. And it, and the way you look at Kyle Pitts in the same sense, the, the Cowboys usually go big nickel with the three safeties out there. And Jaron Curse is the one that's staying with the tight ends. In my in the situation I'm presenting, Kyle Pitts might be the best receiving option. Do you throw Trayvon Diggs on him? You know, and, and now do you kind of just go, you know, you go best on best in that situation and, and pick your battles with everybody else? Because at the end of the day, th- these guys, they're, they're manageable. You can you can win a football game and you can control these guys. But at the same time, if you don't go out there and you don't deploy your players and, and put them in the best position to win, this mas- this mismatches and, and nightmares all over this field. I mean, Corderell Patterson against any linebacker safety scares me. Right. But then you got to understand that Kyle Pitts has that same feeling. So now it's like, what do you do? Yeah, it's, it's a pick your poison type deal. Aiden, your thoughts on those two Swiss Army knives. And I will. I, well, one being a Swiss Army knife, one being Kyle Pitts, who's all of a sudden turning into the tight end that everybody thought he would be. But I also throw in the fact that last week, right, they got uh, the Denver Broncos had a Jerry Judy and had a Cortland Sutton. But the guy we had to worry about the most was Tim Patrick. So all of a sudden now you're looking at like Justin Gage and like, you know, like, are you, are you panicking based off of the fact that like, yes, uh, you know, Trayvon Diggs has had an all world start, but there's a lot of whispers now that he's a boomer bus guy. Like he, he's either making the play or he's making the, or, or he's, he's committing a, a penalty. You know, there's, there's different, opinions of Trayvon Diggs since the last game because of Tim Patrick's double move as soon as that happened everybody's like wait a minute is he actually good or or not you know what I mean so how do you think this Cowboys secondary will hold against guys like Patterson and Kyle Pitts and of course 
the unsung heroes, like a, like a gauge. Yeah. I think that there's kind of this theory floating around that because Tim Patrick has such a normal sounding name, it's hard for him to get established <laughs> this elite receiver, but all season Tim Patrick has been a very good receiver. And so I think his performance last week, we shouldn't be like, you allowed this many yards to Tim Patrick. No, he's actually pretty good. So as it relates to this week, I couldn't agree with Tony more. You treat Kyle Pitts like a receiver because although he's listed as a tight end on the depth chart, he's he's playing like a receiver. He's splitting out wide. He's getting the fade routes. He's running slants. He's playing exactly like a receiver. So whether it's Diggs or Brown, I put one of your best cornerbacks on Pitts. Now, what I will say is I think we should put our best tackling corner on Patterson because he's not going to be a guy that's going to moss you 40 yards down the field. Correct. What he's going to do is he's going to catch those three-yard close to the line of scrimmage passes. He's going to make a man miss, and he's going to go. So I don't really know if I have an – maybe you guys have a strong opinion about this. I don't really know who our best tackling corner is. I, mm. I lean digs, but I it could be Brown. Whoever Dan Quinn's decide decides is our best tackling corner, put him on Patterson, put the other cornerback on Pitts. I'm not scared of Russell Gage. I'm not scared of Zeke. Oh, I call him Justin, right? I call him Justin. Gage. <laughs> I don't know why. I think so. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> yeah. So much for that. But now I'm not you, scared of any of the other options. You bring up you bring up a good name, and, and I want to touch on this before we uh kind of you know wrap things up here tonight. But you know, you're looking at a guy like Dan Quinn who obviously his history is with Atlanta and Atlanta said, goodbye, Dan, you're no good anymore. You kick him to the curb and it's over. The Dan Quinn era is over after taking him to a Super Bowl and literally blowing the thing, uh, the worst anybody's ever blown. But I put that on Kyle Shanahan, not so much Dan Quinn. But do you think that there's any merit? I'll start with Tony. Do you think there's any merit in a, a revenge type scenario where he wants this one more than any of the other games on the schedule? Or do you think this guy is the drill sergeant that he is and is the commander of this defense where none of this stuff matters? It's just another game on a schedule. He's just going to prepare just like the same as everybody else. You, you know, I, I don't know if I'm unique in my thought in this, but maybe. And the way I look at it is I think he's going to be militant about it, right? Dan Quinn is a preparer. He's a guy who executes and and everything to him may be like outwardly just as is every day. You know, this is just another week. But I think the way this team and these defensive players play for him, I think there might be an emotional charge from the players for him, right? They're going to go and play for Dan Quinn. They want, they want to go out there and um, – you know, do this one for the coach, get the one for the skipper. You know what I mean? So I can feel that the emotional charge might come from the players just based on the respect and the, and the admiration they've had for Dan Quinn in this time here. So I, yeah, I can't, I can't deny the human element, but I don't know if it'll even be from Dan. All right. Aiden, what are you thinking? I hesitate to believe that Dan Quinn doesn't at least have a chip on his shoulder coming into this one, because I mean, when you get fired, there's, I mean, if any of us got fired from a job and we had the opportunity to best the person that fired us, there's no way you wouldn't give a little bit more energy. So as much as Dan Quinn's saying, I'm focused, I'm just focusing on this week. We're correcting the problems from last week. I think Dan Quinn's going to come out ready to be aggressive. I think he's, you're probably going to send Micah Parsons more than you normally would in this scenario. Even with Gregory being out, he's going to want to get to Matt Ryan He's going to want to shut down the run defense. And especially after last week, he's going to have 
the defense reared up and ready to play. So I think he's had this one circled on the schedule since this, the initial schedule came out. So I he think he's going to, he might've had this circled on the schedule uh, after the watermelon kick last year. Like if I ever play against this team again, I'll never, <laughs> if I ever play against my own team, I'm going to make sure I take care of business. Um, I will <laughs> ask you guys this though, in that same regard, do you think that there's any advantage to a Matt Ryan playing against a Dan Quinn defense in which he played against this defense every day in practice for how many years? Does that scare you guys? Does he kind of know, like, things are going to be different. I, I actually spoke to a couple writers uh, from Atlanta, and they brought that point to my attention. And I was like, oh, you know, that's not a bad idea, or it's not a bad thought process that Matt Ryan, his offensive prowess, he'll know the tendencies. He's even got some ex-teammates over there in Keanu Neal. You know what I mean? And, and you know, and uh, I can't think of his name off the top of my head. Um, what would you say? Nobody. All right. Nobody. Nobody helped me out on the other guy. <laughs> not not cursed. Yeah. Cur no. Uh, Casey. I don't know why. Casey the month of KZ. Yes. Yeah, yes. KZ. Yeah. Well, in any event, it's first <laughs> episode one, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but no, I, I, is, do you guys find that that could be a thing? You know, that Matt Ryan might have a little too much familiarity with a Dan Quinn schemed defense. I'll start with Tony. I, you know, the way I look at it, I guess if you look at that way, it's fair, right? I mean, you know, Matt Ryan has some familiarity, but then you can flip it on his head and say, Dan Quinn has some familiarity with Matt Ryan, right? I mean, he he knows his, on, you know, the way he plays, it, it might be a little tit for tat. It might be a little chess game, a game within the game. So, you know, <laughs> offset and penalties, redo the down, right? If you know me, I know you. Now let's just go play football. Yeah. Aiden, you think there's any kind of merit to this at all? I was – Tony stole it from me. I think as much as Matt Ryan knows what Dan Quinn wants to do on defense, Dan Quinn's been studying Matt Ryan and his tendencies for years now. So I think he's going to know how to handle it. And I, the Falcons are going to have to keep up with this Dallas offense, assuming we get things right. And I'm praying we do. He's going to have to hang, I don't know, 28 plus points. And I think Dan Quinn is going to, He's going to know we just have to keep him out of the end zone for X number of points, and he's going to have his defense ready to do that. All right. Well, you're starting to talk numbers, and speaking of numbers, guys, it is the two-minute warning. So it's time now to finally give us and the listeners and everybody your big, big, bad predictions. Uh, listen, if you're a gambling person, don't listen to our advice. We're not taking the spread into consideration. We're talking about wins and losses here if you want to go gamble go gamble but i'm talking about <laughs> wins and losses aiden you're going first you're the newbie here as far as a podcast is concerned it's your first podcast that you have actually hosted so this will be your very first cowboys prediction give me a score give me a result we'll start with you go get them i'm going 38 to 28 cowboys i think a few of those points from the falcons will come in garbage time i think Exactly like we've been talking about. Mike McCarthy, Dan Quinn, they're going to come out ready to coach, and I think the Cowboys get back on track with a convincing one here. All right. Tony. You know, I, I love the fact Michael Gallup is back. I think that steel is going to be, you know, serviceable. I think they're going to scheme around to try to help him, whether it be, you know, tight end help, running back, you know, chip in, whatever the case may be. Dak. You know, Dak's an ultimate competitor. He's not happy about how he played. So, you know, give me you know, the defense finds a way to, you know, to bend, don't break, and kind of be opportunistic. Give me 34-20, Dallas. 34-20. 14-point win coming out of Tony Catalina. All right. Well, I'm going to piggyback both of you guys. You both have put the Cowboys 
in the 30 plus range. I'm going to put them right at 30. I think they're going to look as much as everybody wants them to be world beaters again and come out and just go firing off the stuff. I think they might actually play a little bit of ahead of themselves a little bit to start the game where we're all going to be like, oh my God, it's it's a trend. We're going to suck again. Like this stinks, you know, but I think ultimately the Cowboys do put up 30 and I think they're going to give up 21 points to the Falcons. Give me a nine point win. So again, if you're a gambling person and you want to look at the spreads, sure, you'd cover on all regards. Every single one of us have the Dallas Cowboys coming back from that loss and getting things right and putting Cowboys Nation at ease a little bit because right now tensions are super duper high. And I, and I, was, I, I speak for all three of us. I know we're all feeling it right now because two weeks ago we're saying we're walking around our, our the hallways of, you know, Aiden's in Texas University. He's walking around the hallways like Conor McGregor, just arms flailing in the air saying, yeah, you know, Cowboys are never going to lose a game. And, of course, you know, me and, me and Tony are, are over here saying, oh, my God, Pick us out a loss. We're not going to. Here comes 15 and two. Here comes 16 and one. And we all got put down right back to earth. So now we're a little skeptical. I think the Cowboys have to get this game. It's not necessarily a quote must win, but they got to do it for the fan base. They got to do it for their own morale because next week it's not a trap game because I don't think they're looking forward or past Atlanta because of what happened last week. But here comes Patrick Mahomes and that awesome matchup of between Dak Prescott and Patrick Mahomes that we're all looking forward to. But first, we got to get it done. So, guys, this has been fun. I got a good, good feeling about the way we have some legitimate chemistry here. I think there's, uh, you know, conflicting. Are we all homers at heart right now? Yeah, we're all picking the Cowboys to win a game. But let's see how we do next week. You know what I mean? Let's see if we if coming off a win or a loss affects our judgment about, you know, can Patrick Mahomes do work against the secondary? We'll get into all that. Be sure to like, subscribe, uh, do all the jargon that you would normally do for a podcast. Follow the entire Blogging the Boys podcast network. There is a million and one podcast going on. They even have one that's in all Spanish. That's how good we are at, at here at Blogging the Boys. We have a Cowboys Oi that drops on Saturdays. But we do have uh, Monday through Friday all around. It's, it's an amazing, amazing network. We got a lot of coverage here on blogging the boys so for dave sturchio aiden davis and tony catalina this has been your first episode of the two minute warning here on the blogging the boys podcast network powered by sb nation let's go cowboys and we'll see you guys next week